Go on then. What are we watching? Oh, what about... Uh... In the... Uh, with Sky Stream. The new way to get Sky without a dish. Stream unmissable Sky exclusives like True Detective and Netflix shows like The Gentleman all in one place. For just €25 a month for 12 months. Search Sky Stream today. New customers only. 12-month minimum term. Requires broadband. Further terms apply. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Borgosh Energy, proud sponsor of the GAA All-Ireland Under-20 and Senior Hurling Championships. Hashtag hurling to the core. Hello and welcome to the Trow and Independent.ie GAA podcast in association with Borgosh Energy. I'm Will Slattery. And I'm delighted to have a football preview for you this week, as well as looking back at the hurling action. And joining me is Michael Verney, as always, as well as Roy Curtis of the Sunday World and John Milan, Waterford legend. Guys, thanks so much for joining me. No matter when. And John, you would have played in a lot of famous Munster Championship games over the years in front of packed houses in Semple Stadium. How strange was it to be reintroduced at the Championship Hurling with, uh, you know, obviously no fans there? Uh, what did you make of it? Yeah, it took a bit of getting used to it. I was only talking to Verney there during the week about it. Uh, you know, finding what you find strange as a, as a player, you know, um, travelling in a car for starters, not getting on a bus, no guard escorts to see into the into the ground, um, no supporters then to to await you to, to to see into the into the stadium. And those are all the things that kind of you know get you going. They would have got me going. You would have been totally in the zone. Then in the dress room, then it's it's a totally different atmosphere. Obviously they would have they would have had that yesterday. Uh, and then, you know, when you get the knock on the door then to twelve twelve run out to the field, you know, and for any player, for any inter county player, you know, that's what you train for. You know, to run out the field, to run out your own home supporters, you know, could be fifteen, twenty thousand of them. Um down the town end, down the Canaan end, in, in Torres. Uh, you know, it's, it's those few minutes before before the match that before the ball was thrown in that get you going. And obviously that wasn't there yesterday. Um, and it was a bit was was surreal uh, to be, to be was very surreal to be to be watching in um, from the outside looking looking in. But um I thought I thought the, the, the players they, they managed managed it quite well. And look from 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 an outsider looking in and and um, from being a view, from a viewer, it's going to take a bit of time to get used to. It. Like all the other sports that we're watching um, in front of empty stadiums, the soccer, the horse race, and you you name any sports, even even the rugby over the weekend, uh, it's it's going to take a couple of games to, to get used to um, and to get up the up the up the speed of it. Um, and look, this is the new world we're, we're living in. For the foreseeable future until a vaccine comes, but look, it was great to have hurling yesterday. Uh, look, you go back six months ago, we were in a position where we weren't going to have any championship at all, 
Um, and look, a massive kudos to the four teams, the weekend, and the Joe McDonough teams, the Christie Ring teams, the lower level teams that took the field the weekend. We're up and running. It's great. And uh, let's let's just hope and pray that uh, the championship will finish out and that we'll have um, winners on, on December 13th. Yeah, Michael, and for you, did it feel like a, a championship hurling game? Limerick obviously running out 36 points uh, to 123 victors. Kind of that second half burst right after the break probably was what, what, what kind of put them in the ascendancy for the, for, for the, for the rest of the game. But, uh, you know, what stood out to you from, from watching the match? Yeah, it was probably a bit looser, Will, than you'd associate with normally a championship game. Like, I've never seen Tony Kelly get spaced like that in a championship game before. Usually things would be a lot tighter. Even Gerard Hegarty even been able to hit a couple of balls kind of standing up, which I thought was unusual. There maybe wasn't that... Uh, it probably wasn't that same kind of intensity or maybe physicality that you'd be expecting. Now, there was a couple, probably a couple of things that played there. Um, there was, the whistle was blown, I thought, relatively easy at times for any sort of physicality or if a hurl was left in around where the ball was as well. So they probably wasn't able to, weren't able to get like a load of physicality built up throughout the game. Uh, it's definitely score scoreline that you would associate more with an exhibition game maybe than a, than a championship game. I think Limerick had 30, or they created 30 scoring chances in the second half, which is phenomenal. I think it was 22 in the first half, so 52 scoring chances over 70 plus minutes which is which is absolutely unbelievable um, they would have learned an awful lot from it though in particular they did two kind of rookies in the full back lane Dan Morrissey is no rookie but he's a rookie a full back and Barry Nash playing cornerback and the fact that there was probably a little misstep in communication for the goal there between the two of those uh, it's probably not a bad thing I think they would have learned an awful lot and even the th- with Tony Kelly the fact that John Kiley stuck to his guns and and didn't uh, didn't alter the team or put a man marker on him or anything like that. I think that kind of shows and highlights uh, his belief in their system and that they're not going to bend or yield for any one player, even though you still would have thought with how on form Kelly was yesterday. Like, that was an absolute joy to watch. We've all seen... Um, you know, Snapchat stories that Buff Egan has had up in the last couple of years and you're seeing him doing this for Ballier, but to do that for Clare in a, in a championship match is absolutely unbelievable. It has to go down there as one of like, the great championship performance because he, uh, he, he was just a one-man, it was kind of just a one-man show really. He was just hovering around there, picking up any little sniff. I think there was a, a misplaced hand pass from Tom Morris at one stage and he just sniffed and he was in and he was gone. And I think all eight points were off his left as well, like a young, like a young John Milan almost. <laughs> um, but it was an unbelievable performance. Yeah, it was, a, it was an unbelievable performance in defeat as well. You know, a lot of really good performances come in victory when things are going well. The fact that he was able to do all that um, against a team of the calibre of Limerick and a team playing as well as Limerick were, it was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, Roy, I think Michael kind of summed it up well there. The use of the word team with Limerick so often that as a collective, they were really, really good yesterday. But the individual display of Tony Kelly, 17 points overall, eight points uh, from play, you know, goes up there with maybe, you know, Patrick Corgan last year in the quarterfinal and Seamus Callan a few years ago as performances in defeat where they really carried their team. Yeah, I think uh, the Cliffs of Moore might be Clare's only wonder of nature after what he did there yesterday. Um, I used a line in the tweet I sent out that David Foster Wallace had famously written about Roger Federer, a um, creature whose body is both flesh and somehow light. Um, he was suspending reality with what he was doing. You, you get these players who need only a wormhole. They've got superior vision. And, and Kelly is one of those. Um, 
in the early 80s, I was lucky enough to go to Chicago a few times to see Michael Jordan when he had just come into the pro game. Jordan was these phenomenal deeds of athleticism, scoring 50, 60 points, but he didn't have the support cast. And as a consequence, Chicago were, were also runs until he built up that support cast. And that was Kelly yesterday. Without, without Duggan, without Conlon, without Galvin, players just didn't have the strength. I mean, for most of us, the clock went back an hour. For, for Limerick, it went back two years. That was the Limerick of, of 2018, of the Munster final last year. When they're like that, they actually remind me a little bit of the All Blacks. This powerful athleticism, ruthless efficiency, and they flow. They have touch with power. You have someone like Gerald Hegarty, a bit like a rugby centre, but has such a delicate touch. They're artists with sort of a blue-collar hustle. 17 of the points came from from turnovers. They have an impeccable work ethic. Like the All Blacks, they have huge depth. When you see guys like Flanagan coming on and making a huge impact, um, and really after the start of the second half, that, that barrage, um, where were like, they were like a derailed streetcar, unfortunately. And now we have next week the rumble in the jungle. I mean, Limerick, too. this <laughs> could be a game for the ages. It really could. Yeah, John, like, how impressed were you with Limerick, you know, yesterday? And in terms of, as Roy said, that mouth-ordering clash with Tip next weekend, it, it sets up brilliantly for that. Yeah, and look, we, we were all waiting for, look, looking in from the outside, looking in to see what type of statement Limerick were going to make. I mean, they were on everyone's lips, they're, everyone's fancy to push on and, and win, the, win the All-Ireland. Um, and they came with all the answers yesterday. No, they, they were they they got they, they they came out of the blocks fast, and there was patches then in, in the first half that you know, as as John Kiley alluded to after the match, you know, they didn't get into their rhythm. But you know, whatever was said at halftime, I mean, they just came out of the blocks uh, after halftime, and they just went up another gear. And and what they actually did, uh, will Torres is, is is a big field. After Crow Park, Torres is probably the second biggest field um, dimensional-wise for any player to play on. From Looking in from my television screen yesterday, Limerick actually made the pitch look look relatively small and they closed off all, all the space um, for, for Claire to work in. And they closed off the space for Kelly, albeit he, he still managed to, to cock up a, a couple of more scores in the second half. And look, we were all asking ourselves, you know, how the Limerick full back line would go without Richie English, without Mike Casey. But they just smothered the life out of Claire. You know, they, they albeit Ryan Taylor got in got in for got in for a goal, but you know, Shane O'Donnell, you know, didn't get the space that he'd usually get and they just dropped every line dropped back. And it's that middle third where you're talking Kyle Hayes, Darrell Hegarty, Tom Morrissey. Keen Lynch, Willow Donohue, uh, Declan Hannon, Burns, um, and Paddy O'Loughlin came in and had a good game. They're massive, they're big block of men. And Roy is, is on him saying, Roy, they are, they remind you of the All Blacks. They were the big, strong, physical men. And this time of year, you know, it, it actually suits them. Big, powerful men, you know, the, the heavy ground, it's like race horses, the, the heavy ground suits certain horses, but this team, they can play in any conditions. And I think um, the ground actually suits them. You look yesterday, their half-forward line accounted for 12 points in play. Hegarty, um, Kyle Hayes, Tom Morrissey. Tom Morrissey scored four points. He was substituted. Willow Dunhill, Keane Lynch, 
probably hadn't done it like five games. Dermot Burns picked up three scores. I mean, that's not even going with their insides. Right? And then you're looking at their, what's coming off the bench. It's, 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 it's actually scary. And then you might have Richie English and Mike Casey to come in. But, I mean, as Roy said, as Roy said, it sets it up for a meltwatering clash in, in Parky Creed next week. And I actually think it's, it's the perfect venue for, for this clash because Parky Creed is like full park. It's the, the pitch. It's, it's, it's all year round and pitch and it'll be, it'll be top of the ground. The ball will be moving well. Torchester Torres pitches, you know, it's probably my favourite pitch um, nationwide for me, but probably played a small bit heavy uh, yesterday, and that's 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 only to be accounted for 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 the for the rain that fell um, during the course of the week, and more rain is going to come this week again. But I think, and um, the fact that it's in Parky Cueve, I think it's 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 set up for 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 a, for a, for a cracker next Sunday, and, and look, Sheedy. Tipperary, they're not going to forget that defeat last year um, up in the Gaelic grounds. I mean, Limerick actually blew Tipperary asunder that day. Yeah, Michael, it is set up nicely, I guess, but with the added kind of element of there being a backdoor as well, it isn't the kind of the be-all and end-all clash that we might see later on in the championship. Does that kind of change how either team approaches Because the Munster final last year, there was a sense that while it was a great win for Limerick and a disappointing defeat for Tipperary, there was a bit of powder kept dry as well. Yeah, no, I don't think there'll be too much powder kept dry in this because there's going to be too many kind of snakes waiting in the grass in, in the in the back door as well. Like you could you could end up meeting end up meeting a Cork or a Waterford or a Kilkenny or a Dublin or something in the back door. So I don't think, I think they'll both be going gung-ho forward. The fact that at Limerick, uh, no more than Dublin as well, playing Kilkenny, have a game under their belt, I definitely think it's it's an added advantage. We saw it in, in the round-robin stages last year. Limerick came in cold against a Cork team who were well beaten by tip in the first match. And just, just having that game... Uh, under your belt having that competitive game and I know they played a couple of competitive games coming into it against Galway and I think they played Wexford in a challenge game as well but to have a championship game under your belt and not pick up any injuries um, is a, it's an ideal it's an ideal scenario for Limerick to come in with uh, Tip is going to be interesting the fact that you know Limerick didn't send anyone after Tony Kelly yesterday like it'd just be interesting to see with some of the matchups what, what Tip might try and do they might try and you know if Dan Morrissey is, is full back and Callan is full forward like, will Dan Morrissey just stay a full-back? Uh, will they try and put in maybe a nippier, a nippier kind of a forward inside there? Maybe put Callan even in the corner? If, if, if Kylie is sticking to his guns and he's not going to yield or bend for what any other team is doing, it'll just be interesting to see maybe how Sheedy tries to take advantage of that. No one, well, few maybe were expecting Kelly to start in corner forward and they were able to profit massively off that. So it'll be interesting to see what Sheedy will do to kind of counteract that. And as, as John says... Uh, like tip or hockey last year in the in the Munster final. There's no point in saying any different. And they bounced back brilliantly in the back door. But there there is there what had been that talk all at the end of last year that probably and I would I would have said it myself that the best team didn't win the All Ireland. So this is gonna be yeah, it's gonna be like probably we just kinda started in a nice way yesterday, but it's going to be there's going to be so many juicy games this weekend, like between Galway, Wexford and particularly this one, Tip and Limerick, it's going to be brilliant. And Michael, just in the other uh, hurling championship game of the weekend, Dublin Leash, you know, I suppose a, a maybe burying the demons to some extent for Dublin after losing to Leash in the championship the, the previous year. 
I suppose they set up a game with Kenny now, it should be a lot tougher. But Manny Kenny will be pleased with how they went. They, they put up a big score. Donald Brook, I think, hit 116, you know, including 1-3 from play. So there was positives there, but a bigger challenge next weekend. Yeah, no, I was chatting to a couple of people and I just said, like, just for Dublin to get the win would be enough. And I was kind of like, that, that's what they needed the other night. They needed, a, they needed a statement. They needed just to show... Uh, show how in the, the rude health that they're in, and they looked they looked far physically superior to, to Leash the other night. They looked like a fairly well-oiled machine physically. Uh, Keen Boland, brilliant. Uh, Danny Sutcliffe, I remember he threw a, f- a few we- a few Leash lads off him. He was going through. He just kind of has that kind of bullishness maybe about him again. Uh, Donald Burke, I've seen Donald Burke with, with UC, uh, DCU over the last couple of years. And you saw those glimpses and even saw with, with Dublin, even throughout the league uh, last year and even the year before that. But just to have someone like that, have that reliable free taker that's going to be up there, hit 95% of the scores and be able to have that influence from play is huge for them. They have a bench now as well. They've Charlie or Dillon coming on. They've Mark Schutte coming on. They've Liam Rush coming on. So they have a team now that can put themselves in a position maybe to close out a game and they've been struggling to close out games in the last couple of years under Pat Gilroy and even under, under Matty at different stages last year but they're coming up against it, uh, coming up against a different kettle of fish uh, next weekend with Kilkenny like there is no way not in the month of Sundays would Donald Burke have been able to walk through the Kilkenny defence like he walked through the Leash defence or even as he ghosted past Jack Kelly on the wing and put over a little point have a shortened grip. There's no way uh, he'll be allowed or afford that afforded that latitude against Kilkenny. But from Matty Kenny's point of view, what did he want to see? He wanted to see lads absolutely mad for work, well able to take their scores. I think Conor Burke was brilliant uh, in defence. I know he was a sweeper, but he was really, really calm and composed. Uh, so they they'll be happy with where they are. They're going to be outsiders coming in against Kilkenny, but they come in they come in with a good vein of form and. They'll be expecting a performance, and they have a panel now. Maybe that they they've had. I think it, it just looked a bit more settled, and they have lots of speed. And that even crummy up an attack is is interesting. I don't think he's a natural attacker, but John had know how effective we'd say the brick watch was with Waterford, just that link and play and being selfless. And maybe they need that type of a player to do a lot of work for the other forwards. But going to be an interesting clash. It's still still be fancying Kilkenny now fairly heavily, but. Uh, Dublin did exactly what Matty wanted them to do the other night a nice little statement of intent coming into Kilkenny yeah yeah Ryan it was an important win for Dublin hurling after last year and while I guess a lot of the focus will be on Tipperary uh, and Limerick next weekend the two Leinster semi-finals are set up pretty nicely as well yeah I mean I would never underestimate you know the powerful steroid of restored confidence Dublin really really needed that and there are there are not a lot of reasons for them to be cheerful we we spoke about the two Burks the double Burks spent last summer in America savage loss. The fact that Dublin were able to beat Galway last year at Parnell Park without a guy as reliable a free-taker as Burke. He had 13 from 14 in freeze. He really has that carriage of an assassin when he goes forward. I know what Mick is saying about maybe Kilkenny not giving him enough the same capacity to go through on challenge. And that is true. I think Conor Burke is a huge addition. He played the sweeper role to perfection, but he has a real understanding of the game, an intuitive understanding of space um, the Chris Crummy one is really interesting for me. We all remember when Kieran Donaghy moved um, full forward with Kerry in 2006, and it was transformative. Crummy is big, powerful. He's a, he's been All Star nominated a couple of times as a defender, but as a ball winner, a focal point for attack. He was getting into the corners. Dublin were playing those diagonal balls, and I thought what was really impressive was rather than just put the head down and uh, go for goal or go for points, he was bringing other players into the game. 
he was a link man and that really really worked for them Mick mentioned the bench and it's such an important part of the game now if you see what Limerick were able to do yesterday the Dublin footballers it's probably been a real issue for Dublin hurlers down the years but if you can bring on a guy like Liam Rush Trolley or Dylan with that pace late in the game his capacity to finish he got 1-1 even Mark Shude got on got a point that offers Dublin great hope and um, they, they remember that 2013 game when they when they beat Kilkenny with a bit of momentum. And yesterday, or Saturday's game, it was leash, but it was still momentum. It was a match. When we talk about Limerick scoring 236, Dublin outscored them. Dublin scored 231, albeit against leash, a leash team who beat them last week, last year. And we'll go into that game feeling we have a real chance here. We have nothing to lose. The pressure is on Cody and Kilkenny. Yeah, it's sort of nicely in Croke Park. And John, just to finish up, the other game next weekend to really look forward to is your own county, Waterford, who are going up against Cork. I know Porek Mann, he's a huge loss uh, for, for Liam Call as he goes into his first campaign. But you know, how, how enthusiastic or hopeful are you uh, the t- of the team's chances? Well, it's, it's, we're down a lot of bodies. We're going through the 2017 team. Conor Gleeson's out with a hamstring. Um, hamstring, he's cornerback. Barry Calkin is after retiring. Noel Connor's not there. Philip Manny, who for me is a colossal loss out of, the, out of everyone. Probably the best club hurler in Waterford the last five, six years. He's missing. We're not going to have Brick Welch. Horik Manny is missing. Shane Bennett. Morris Shannon. So there's eight players from the 2017 um, team who are not going to take to the field next week. So that tells you the mammoth task that um, Liam Cattle um, and the Water team have next week. But look, Cork have their problems as well. Barrett Fitzgibbon, hamstring injury, uh, serious, serious player. He's going to be a big loss for Cork. Robbie O'Flynn is suspended. Um, and look, Waterford and Cork in a one-off game. You never know, we, we like going to Torres. Um, and look, I think we've seen before that we don't fear Cork. Likewise, Cork, We'll feel it's a great opportunity for them to get their Munster final, secure a quarter final. Uh, but look, I think we're going to have it all to do next week. Um, and that's not playing it down. That's not being the cute boy. Uh, I just think, you know, missing those players, missing time personnel that I've just named, I think it's going to be a mammoth task. But look, uh, Liam Cal, I was most impressed with him throughout the course of the league. And he's building a new team. And I think what we've got to look at will... We can't be judgmental on, a, on any managers um, in, in this championship. I think it's, 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 it's a free run from. Um, but look, it's, it's, it's a game I'm really looking forward to. And look, I'd just like to ask the, the lads, um, pose the question to the lads about the slitter. I think the slitter could be playing a small bit too light. I think yesterday and I think even Saturday night, I, I know that before this, before balls turning this championship, the players are complaining um, about how heavy the ball is going to be. But I actually think that the ball now might be after might be after making the ball a bit too light. I think some of the scores over the weekend, you know, from, from long distance, from 70, 80 yards, even 90 yards out for, for coming all too easy. And I just like to ask the, ask the lads the question, um, what's their view on, 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 on the slitter, you know? I thought some of the scoring backs up that argument, John. I- I was really taking Limerick 36 points, Dublin 231, and the number of scores that were coming from distance. Initially, I was thinking perhaps the games lacked championship intensity with the lack of crowds. 
But I think the uh, the sliver could definitely be perceived as a factor in that because there were in winter conditions when the ball shouldn't be travelling as far. We know if you're, if you're out playing golf, the ball's gone 20 yards uh, shorter than it would during high summer. And yeah, sliver from distance was clearing the clearing the post comfortably. So there may well be something to your argument. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree with you, John, to be honest with you. Uh, at this time of the year, no more than in January or February, you're not expecting it to travel as far as it did yesterday. There was lads coughing on the ball and it was going over the bar from 80 yards with little or no breeze behind them. As well as that, uh, I'm, not, I'm not totally convinced about the visibility of it. Uh, for, for an evening game, I think it definitely helps with visibility. For a game during the day, I don't think it helps. Uh, if anything, it, it uh, affects the, vi- the visibility of ball. That's just my own, my own opinion. My eyes wouldn't be the best at the best of times, but that's just my own opinion on it. Um, on the scoring as well, I suppose it, it's possibly the ball is, is definitely lighter than it was. The players' physiques are kind of, they're, they're strength and conditioning over the last 10 or 15 years. They're just stronger. They're, they're riskier. They're able to hit a ball 80 or 90 yards. Um, and there's a lot of kind of different things coming into effect just making high score games. Like Mayo hit 232 in the, in the Nicky record over the weekend. Antrim hit 425 in the Joe McDonough. They are scores. You can't just. Uh, attribute that to you know exhibition style games or challenge games like it definitely does correlate to higher scores and I think a lighter ball uh, there's definitely there's definitely something in that as well I've been kind of pushing for that the ball needs to be made as just even a small bit heavier that like strike scoring from your own 65 should be a real challenge I think Paddy Person for Leash did it the other night from his own 45 um, open, he opened his shoulders but it, there's definitely there's definitely something there at this time of the year there's no way that the ball should be flying through the air like it is No it's certainly an interesting trend to keep an eye on especially with when we've seen other sports restarting with some topsy-turvy results or some unusual scorelines uh, it's an interesting question John posed and sets things up very nicely for next weekend another round of games John just, thanks so much for joining just, us Just one last thing before I go the role of the sub the sub um, and even the backroom team now and you even see it throughout the course of the, course of the, the club championship, the role of the subs in some of the backroom teams. You know, when a score was over, we have no crowds, but what, what was evident over the weekend was some of the subs um, on some of the teams, you know, going forward, I would think some of the managers are going to say, right, you're not on the field. But anytime a score goes over, even the backroom team, you roar, you scream, you make yourself heard, and you let that last move on the field that a Sabina score or even a tackle goes in or a turnover is won, that roar of the crowd, not the crowd, the roar of the subs or the backing team is third. And I think that's going to be a massive, massive part in this chance for where certain managers will say, well, look, you're not on, you're not, you're not starting today, you mightn't come on, but you have a massive, massive part to play. Anytime a score, anytime a free, anytime a turnover is won, you go out and you roar and scream. That was quite evident over, over the course of the weekend. And actually, Limerick, when they got a couple of scores in the second half yesterday, their subs and some of their batting, you, you could hear me. And I don't care. When we're playing behind closed doors, that goes an awful long way to win it. And it was evident also in the club championship that even when the home club had a salary down sign, we got beat the same day. But every score... That Mount Sine scored the same day, which was, was greeted with a big roar from their subs. And 
going forward, I think that's going to play a massive part in this. Well, I'd say Liam Cattle could be getting you in to give it large up in the, up in the stand, I'd say, for the Waterford boys. We're up and running and uh, roll on next weekend. Great stuff, John. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, what a win. Well, now, lads, we'll look ahead to the football championship which gets underway this weekend. I suppose, Roy, it's a very much a changed landscape to when Dublin completed the five in a row, uh, you know, over a year ago. Jim Gavin has moved on. Jack McCaffrey's moved on. The world has, has changed utterly as well. The championship format is different. So how much of a leveler do you think all those factors are as we head into Dublin looking for a six in a row with, with Desi Farrell at the helm this time? They're definitely levelers. I think the biggest leveler of all is... Desi coming in for Jim. Um, I've a great time for Desi Farrell as, as both a man and a manager, but he has both the best and the worst job simultaneously, I think, in football. There's such an ecosystem of high achievement in that Dublin panel. The guys are so self-driven that you think, yes, they really want to go again. But it is such strange circumstances. Having won five, having seen sort of an era end with Jim, and now to try and to try and go again, there has been evident ring rust. I think at times throughout the league, even in the last the last couple of weeks. But as I say, that ecosystem of high achievement is is so important to them. Um, and if you're looking for Dublin reasons to be cheerful, and um, they're all again the attacking threat of guys coming in like Paddy Small. He has a wonderful left foot. He was deadly yesterday. And um, Sean. Sean Bugler, who's hugely regarded. I know Jim Gavin and that management team had great time for him. He came off the bench yesterday, got an incredible goal. There's just this endless reservoir of attackers that Dublin have to choose from. I thought Brian Fenton was incredibly good yesterday. He gave the last or second last pass for the vast majority of the scores. And he he's the team leader and drives them. I mean, people talk about David Clifford being clear as the best footballer in the country. I one of Clifford's biggest fans, but I think Fenton is at that same level and has been consistently for five years. I think there are probably only two teams can win the All-Ireland. Um, I think Kerry have taken a step forward because Clifford was always there, that wonderful player at Totem. But they've added more support in attack. Tony Brosman has been sensational the last couple of weeks. Um, we all know about Shawnee O'Shea, the players who didn't play yesterday. But I think the real change has been sort of, call it the Jack McCaffrey factor, Gavin White going back to half-back. He has the pace of McCaffrey with additional power. They have Tom O'Sullivan there, and they have Paul Murphy. And that defensive seeding of opportunities, which Dublin have used so well, I think Kerry can now. I know it was a phony war against Donegal. They were resting nine or ten players. But I think Dublin and Kerry are ahead of everybody else. And I think Kerry will really feel, if Dublin are even 5 or 10% below where they were last year, that they have a real chance of winning this year. I think with the format, a lot of other teams could beat any team. But whether they can sustain it enough, Tyrone Conor McKenna's tour de force yesterday, if Mickey Hart will let the shackles off and not go back to that cautious factory setting, Donegal have huge big players. We sort of heard the fabric ripping for Galway a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Horry Joyce is saying he won't be defined by 20 minutes against Mayo. Joyce is a serious manager, and I think the work he did in spring has been impressive. But what can they do? Mayo, they were encouraging signs, hugely encouraging signs last week. Came back to earth a little bit yesterday. The Aidan O'Shea thing didn't work as well at full forward. Mark Moran was much quieter. But they still, Tommy Conroy has been a huge addition to them. And I think maybe they're in that pack 
behind Donegal, you have Tyrone Galway, Mayo, but it's Dublin or Kerry for me, setting the standard, still a long way ahead, with Kerry believing they can push Dublin to the brink. Yeah, Michael, would you agree with that? Do you see a team outside of Dublin or Kerry potentially winning it? Uh, no, I think it's probably like what Rice said there. I think there's a handful of teams there that could beat a Dublin or Kerry possibly on a given day, but whether they can actually go and beat another two or three of the high-profile teams, I'm not so sure. Uh, I think like the likes of Donegal, Mayo, are thereabouts. They're, I think they're more likely to take out someone rather than go the whole way. Just from a Dublin point of view, De- Desi Farrell is obviously still learning on his feet. He does have that luxury of that he will be lear- it'll be learning throughout the Leinster Championship, a Leinster Championship that they're not going to be beaten in realistically. And he will be by the time he gets out of our Leinster, they'll have all the, should have most of their pieces put together. If they were in Ulster or if they were, you know, drawn against Kerry in a Munster semi final or something like that, if they were in a different province, it might be different, or they're playing a Mayo or a Galway early. But they do have that luxury. Um, it is it's a really, really difficult position for him to be in because he has had little or no time to quote his stamp on things. There's a quote from him earlier on in the year, I think it was January or February of 2020, is going to be like one of the strangest years of all time. And I don't think he had any idea just how strange it was going to be for him in particular. Um, very interesting what Wright says about Kerry. I definitely think Kerry have changed their defensive approach. And they do it like we haven't probably seen, we've seen flashes of like what a Gavin White could do or maybe like a Paul Murphy could do. Uh, going forward but I think they're far more solid uh, defensively than they were you're going to find it harder to pick holes at them defensively and as Roy said I think they'd be very very confident that if they can maintain their levels of last year from particularly the, the drawn on Ireland final that if they're up to that sort of level that it's very very conceivable that Dublin will be just off that level and if they are Kerry will have an outstanding chance uh, you'd have I would definitely be still be putting it down to the two of them and just with everything that has changed in the Dublin camp in the last 12 months and the absence of, of Jack McCaffrey and even I don't think it's been overstated enough the absence of a lot of elder statesmen from the dressing room the likes of, of Darren Daly who will rarely be mentioned but was an absolute mainstay of the dressing room Bernard Brogan Owen O'Gara all these guys that were maybe not doing it on the field as much in recent years, but were driving standards, driving the young lads, coaching young lads, even reading Brogan's book at the moment, the role of all these older guys within the panel uh, was huge. And they mightn't have been seen it on the field, but they were seeing it in other ways. And they're all gone this year as well. So there's a lot of movement um, off the squad and obviously management-wise. So Kerry will definitely sense that the door is ever so slightly ajar and... The last two games have definitely suggested that they'll be able to go through that door if the opportunity arises. But uh, I think Kerry are definitely, definitely the most likely to uh, to derail Dublin this year. Yeah, guys, we're a bit up against the time, so I might just jump straight into the predictions, Roy. Uh, you know, could you give me your four provincial winners and your All Ireland champions? Um, well, Dublin, Kerry, Cork are hugely improved, but I still see Kerry being being ahead there. Um, I've been saying Galway all the time through Connacht. I'm more inclined towards Mayo now, but I'd stick with Galway. And Donegal to beat Tyrone next week and to go on and win Ulster. Um, in an All-Ireland final shootout between Dublin and Kerry, I'll go for Paddy Small to score uh, a winning goal in the closing minutes. <laughs> Just before Christmas as well. What an occasion that would be, Michael. 
he's taken it to a new level. He's even predicted the All-Ireland final and who's going to score the winning goal, not alone who's going to, <laughs> going to win the game. Um, I, yeah, the, the dubs for Leinster, uh, I think Kerry and Cork, uh, Munster semi-final will be very interesting, but it will be definitely expecting Kerry to come through. Uh, I think given the kind of movement in Connacht and maybe Galway's lack of form and Mayo with a lot of new faces in, I'd probably probably go for Ross Common as an outside bet there. And probably Donegal, probably Donegal up in Ulster, even though Conor McKenna coming back, as Ray said, is uh, ju- it just with McShane out, McKenna coming back in, he's just so dynamic, so dangerous. I'm not sure if a player has settled into Inter County as quick as, and if anyone has ever settled in as quick as he has, especially coming from a different code. But uh, I'd probably still be saying Donegal up in Ulster, and I would say. I, I, I just sense that there's Dublin might just be a bit off and if they're ever going to be caught this is probably the year so I'd say Kerry to beat Dublin in the All-Ireland final and we'll say uh, what will we say we'll say David Clifford to give a virtuoso display Just as a finisher Will I mean COVID has washed, washed so much of the colour out of our life I think we owe these players a great debt amateur players stepping up to the mark uh, as they have done. I mean, people have been anxious, fretting about health, economy. Is, is a GA championship going to solve all that? Of course not. But it's that Jurgen Klopp line that a lot of us uh, appropriated over the week. It's the most important of the least important things. And I think what the amateur players did over the week is they gift-wrapped something priceless. And it's called hope. This belief that maybe we can get through this, an antidote against despair. And uh, I thought it was wonderful to have the games back, not the same as they were before, but it was inspiring. And I thought to see Anthony Daly after the Sunday game montage yesterday, the tears in his eyes, we're incomplete. This is such an essential and an elemental part of what Irish life is. It was just wonderful, I thought. Yeah, well, the Hurling Championship is back up and running and the football will come this weekend. And there's, as you say, so much to look forward to over the next couple of weeks. Roy, Michael, thanks so much for joining me. Cheers, Will. Thanks, Will. And that's all we have time for this week on the Throne and Association with Board Gosh Energy. We will be back next week with the podcast reviewing all the championship action. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thanks for listening and goodbye. Board Gosh Energy, proud sponsor of the GAA All Ireland Under 20 and Senior Hurling Championships. Hashtag Hurling to the Core.